everybody, this is Daniel Patrick. This is episode number 55 of the Mandolins and Beer podcast, brought to you in part by my favorite website, The Mandolin Cafe. And if you uh, haven't been to The Mandolin Cafe uh, this week, there was a feature article on me on the front page, which is, uh, uh, it's like a dream come true. I mean, I've gone to that website for more years than I can even remember and seen all my favorite players on there. And, um, you know, for a mandolin player, it's, uh, I, I, I can't think of a cooler thing. I never, I never dreamt that I would ever grace those pages. So thank you guys for, you're all part of that. Everybody who's listening to this podcast has, uh, has made that a reality. So thank you so much. And thank you to Scott for everything as well. So, Love the Mandolin Cafe, and I've said it, said it every week because I mean it. Um, it's also brought to you by Northfield Instruments. Northfield, let's build more than an instrument together. And it's also brought to you by Peghead Nation. Uh, Peghead Nation streaming video courses in mandolin, guitar, banjo, fiddle, doro, ukulele, and bass. You'll learn bluegrass, old time, and other styles from some of the most talented players and instructors in roots music. PegheadNation.com features a great lineup of mandolin instructors with courses including... Beginning Mandolin, Intermediate Bluegrass Mandolin, and Bluegrass Mandolin Fingerboard Method with Sharon Gilchrist. Bluegrass Mandolin Jam Favorites and the Advancing Mandolinist with Joe K. Walsh. Monroe Style Mandolin with Mike Compton. Melodic Mandolin Tunes with John Reichman. Chord Melody Mandolin with Aaron Weinstein. Irish Mandolin with Marla Fibish, And Theory for Mandolin and Fiddle with Chad Manning. Courses include high-quality multi-angle video lessons, downloadable notation and tab, Play along tracks and plenty and tunes, uh, plenty of tunes and songs to play. Join any of Peghead Nation's video courses now and get your first month free. Just go to PegheadNation.com and use the promo code MandolinBeer at checkout. That's all one word. And I want to thank Peghead Nation. They've literally been here since episode number two. So thank you. And I've been using that website a ton these past few days. Man, there is such great stuff on there. Take advantage of that, of that um 30 days for free. It's just, it's, it's really well put together. So thank you. Also, thank you. We had a uh, handful of new Patreon people join up. And normally this is the part where I would say, hey, if you want to support the podcast, um, go to uh, mandolinsbeer.com or go to patreon.com, get some merch, follow me on Patreon. But actually, um, if anybody was thinking about maybe getting any sort of um, merch this week or uh, joining the Patreon page, um, there's a there's something out there I think would would the money would be more helpful for, and that is um, the great fiddle player Mike Barnett, who's just incredible. Um, had a cerebral hemorrhage hemorrhage um, uh, a few weeks back, and they just set up a GoFundMe for him. And if you're not familiar with Mike, um, if you're not familiar with the name, you probably heard him before. I mean, he was he played with Grisman, he plays with Ricky Skaggs, um, uh, uh, Jake Jolliffe. Um, just a, you know, the guy's so good. He's got a brand new album coming out too. The new, the first song off the album's incredible. So um, I'll have a link to that. You can find it as well. All these amazing players, a bunch of people who've been on this podcast have been posting links to it, but I'll also have a link to the uh, GoFundMe as well. Um, so if you have any extra money that you could put towards this cause, that would be amazing. Anyway, with that said, let's get to today's guest. Um, what a nice guy. Uh, this album, uh, it's it. I'm telling you, it's it's. When I heard this album, and as I listened to it, it just seems like one of those bands that's going to uh, to crack through. It's just so good, and it's got so many different elements of music. and And it, it was great to talk with Dan today. 
And um, I think you guys are going to enjoy it if you're not familiar with them. The album just came out on Friday. Uh, and I'll also have the playlist, the Spotify playlist, um, out there so you can check out the songs that we talk about on this episode. So let's get into it with Dan. Thanks again, everybody. Thank you so much again to Scott from the Mandolin Cafe. That's, uh, I still can't believe it. Anyway, cheers, everybody. Talk to you soon. Oh, one more thing. Uh, the next track-by-track episode is going to be with Matt Flinner of You From Here. Um, I had to reschedule it, though. Um, I had a couple things come up, so I'm going to be touching base with Matt, and that will be out here. I'm hoping to have it out before the next episode of the uh, the next Wednesday episode of Mandolin's Beer. So I have a bonus episode with Matt Flinner talking about a view from here. It's going to be incredible, I'm sure of it. So here we go with Dan. Cheers, y'all. Now I'd like to welcome to the podcast, Dan Bowie. Dan, how are you, buddy? Daniel, I'm doing well, man. Thanks so much for having me. It's a super big honor. I've I've become a big fan of the podcast, so it's it's awesome to be on here. Oh, thanks, dude. Well, I've, I've become a big fan of your band. Um, the <laughs> the new album right now just came out. Well, it, it came out Friday, correct? Last a week ago or a week e- ago this Friday, I guess. Yeah, yeah, August 14th. It just came out uh and we're we're super stoked to have it out there. It's incredible. I um I got a like an advanced copy of it from from your label people to listen to prior to this interview and it's so good and it's so it, it combines a bunch of elements of my favorite things. It's got obviously mandolin uh <laughs> being the 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 top favorite thing of all that stuff <laughs> sure. but it's really it's got elements of like Lake Street Dive it's got elements of the Wood Brothers maybe even like mm. a little crooked still kind of vibe to me and mm. um I, I I love it it's just uh it's got so many different elements as opposed to you know um you know some albums it's it's exciting each song is like uh oh what's going to be next <laughs> yeah uh thank you thanks very much yeah it's uh it was a really fun album to make. Yeah, for sure. It sounds like it was a fun album to make. And you have um you have somebody play guitar on I think two of the tracks, but other than that, there is no guitar player on the album. That's right. That's right. For the most part, it's a quartet um which is uh upright bass, uh myself on mandolin, um and fiddle, uh which is a uh, the great Kathleen Parks, and she's she's the lead singer. And then our newest member is a flute player named Ann Fung, and uh, this is her first kind of recorded thing with us, and it's it's awesome. It's a really really cool, unique ensemble for sure. That yeah, it's so unique, but it it <laughs> sounds so good together. I mean, the uh, you would never know there's not a guitar for one. Uh, you know, especially <laughs> like not an acoustic guitar, which in this type of music is like usually carries a lot of that rhythmic weight um and uh you don't you don't really miss it at all and honestly until i looked at the liner notes i thought maybe even on like track 10 that might have been an electric mandolin and not even a guitar oh <laughs> no so that on on the track 10 we so so the one guitar player or the one the couple of tracks that have guitar on it um we did ask um this really just amazing uh, we're all a huge fan of this guy he lives in boston his name's lyle brewer 
And uh, he plays all kinds of stuff, plays a lot of classical guitar, electric guitar, um, and just an amazing player. Um, and so we had him guest star on a few, on two tracks, uh, the first track and the last track. Um, and uh, yeah, and so he's, he's playing all the cool electric stuff on that last song. Yeah, it's really neat. And I really love, um, on the tunes, when you write tunes, do you write them on mandolin? Um, uh, in particular, the intro to track 10 sounds like it could be some from like like some sort of old soul song <laughs> you know what i mean like it's just it's so uh. great man I mean, actually, that's a good question. I, I actually wrote that on the keyboard, um, on the piano. I was oh, kind did you of really? yeah, yeah. I was kind of uh, I was kind of thinking of kind of like a gospel kind of song, um, and kind of wrote, yeah. wrote that. Kind of wrote the first kind of the melody and, and the bit of that. Kind of the an instrumental version of that on the just totally on the on the keyboard. I have this. I, I actually I'm, I'm spoiled. I have this really nice. Uh, it's a Wurlitzer electric piano and uh oh wow yeah and the sound of it is just it's so it just sounds so good i'm not like much of a piano player myself but i i love playing that thing and and just the sound of it is just so like inspiring and just makes you just want to play it for a super long time so yeah that that's how i wrote wrote kind of the instrumental part of that that's awesome yeah it's uh you nailed the gospel feel for sure man <laughs> i was like whoa this sounds like like some old old Curtis Mayfield or something <laughs> like that back in, and I'm like, this is great. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, before we talk a little bit more about the new album, let's talk a little bit more about you and um, how you found yourself playing mandolin. Totally. Um, yeah, so I grew up in Houston, Texas, uh, kind of the suburbs of Houston, and uh, my parents kind of got me playing um we started music lessons, you know, I think when I was like seven or something, I started taking piano lessons. Um, just, we had this, um, teacher come over to our house and I took piano lessons from her. And, uh, and then when I was in fourth grade, I started doing like kind of violin lessons through like the public school, just, uh, you know, there was like this after school program where, you know, it was like eight kids just in a room playing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star <laughs> on like little vi <laughs> little violins with like tape on them. <laughs> you know, my whole violin thing was like I kind of was just kind of in that whole um, public school orchestra kind of program. And, and actually like where I grew up, uh, the, the school district that I was in, they had like good orchestra programs, good teachers. And I started taking private lessons and kind of doing Suzuki type uh, type reading out of the Suzuki books and learning that kind of stuff and, and just basically did that all through middle school and high school. But I didn't, I wasn't like crazy about the violin. I didn't practice it like a ton, you know, I just, I kind of, it was just, it was just like an extracurricular activity that I did, but, um, I wasn't like super passionate about it. Um, and, uh, I discovered the mandolin, I think when I was in like high school, uh, I was, 
I was watching. There's this uh, great program uh, that played where I, where I lived on PBS every Saturday night called Austin City Limits. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, really great, really great show. And I, I used to watch that all the time. And uh, there was an episode with um, Bela Fleck. He had just put out his Tales from the Acoustic Planet Volume 2 album. And uh, he was on that show playing a lot of songs off that material off that album and uh and the band was insane it was you know it was Bela, sam bush jerry douglas stuart duncan vassar clemens was on it uh, brian sutton was playing guitar um and just Jeez. playing all of that all that stuff and you know i just i heard that and i saw i saw sam bush and he if you guys have seen that um you know clips of that it's, it's all on youtube now but if you've seen clips of that sam is just he's rocking out so much he's just <laughs> He's laying into the rhythm and like, you know, just that whole band is just on fire. And and I just I I thought the mandolin was so cool. I thought what he was doing was so super, super cool. And so that's kind of what introduced me to the mandolin. I can like trace it specifically to that. Yeah, yeah, and later, later that, you know, like later that week, I think I went and bought a mandolin from Guitar Center. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> kidding. Started, no kidding! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised they had one. <laughs> yeah, oh, it was, it was, it wasn't a, a super nice one, but it was what I played for the first, you know, couple years, and and I wasn't even really like, I wasn't even really, I wouldn't say that like what I was playing was like bluegrass or anything. I mean, I thought Sam Bush and Bela Fleck were super cool. But I was, I didn't really know anything about bluegrass, um, like, you know, the traditional bluegrass and like the, the, the history of it. And I was just kind of just playing whatever. I had friends who played um, different things, um, you know, and like kind of I became just like the mandolin player <laughs> at my school, <laughs> you know. And so I, yeah. I was playing with a lot of different, you know, like. I had I had some friends who played like electric bass and drums and we like kind of started this like kind of funky little band that was like mandolin and guitar and bass and drums <laughs> and uh and uh you know some friends who played guitar you know who kind of did more folk stuff and you know I just played you know I was just playing with everybody I could Sure sure what were some of the um the the type of things you were listening to prior to bluegrass that were kind of like influencing some of your playing or that you were maybe trying to emulate yeah, so it, I guess it was like a lot of. I was listening to a lot of mandolin players. I was attracted to mandolin players. So um, the Bela Fleck album, I went and got that album, and you know the Tales from the Acoustic Planet Volume Two album. I got that, and like that's what I thought bluegrass was. And you know, I've, <laughs> I've come to find out that like you know that's a very specific kind of you know more progressive instrumental, you know, like like really uh, specific kind of version of bluegrass but definitely coming out of the bluegrass tradition and i that i just i love that um the david grisman stuff i got really into that um 
like at the time, like Napster was a really big thing. <laughs> and right, so right. I, would, I would go on to Napster and just search for David Grisman and just download, you know, whatever. Uh, and so like I downloaded a lot of like the um, David Grisman and Doc Watson album. Like I, I would download tracks off of that. Not the whole album, but just like individual tracks. Like I remember like really being into like Summertime off of that, <laughs> yeah. off of that album. Yeah. David Grisman and Jerry Garcia album. Oh, um, yeah. Super into that, too. Shady Grove, that one. Well, like I said, a few. Well, yeah, I think that this is the one that's just called David Grisman, Jerry Garcia. Okay, um, yep, yep. Yeah, it might have been the first one they made, um, but, like, the the first track is, uh, is uh, The Thrill Is Gone. thing and like the the production and like the sound of that album like the tones you know david grisman's recordings they just i mean he's always captures just you know the beautiful tone of like these acoustic instruments and it just it just drew me in i love that and i guess you know i i also i remember in high school i also discovered aeroplane uh the john hartford album Well, I started out to be a towboat man, but I never got the hang of a ratchet bar. I was growing up a decking in the Illinois trade with coal dust in my ear. I got stuck in the ice on Christmas Eve and I froze my ass, it's true. I just a shivering and a shaking with the down south case of them steamboat whistle blue. Oh, uh, and got got super into that. I mean, I think the the way I discovered that was Bela Fleck mentions it in the liner notes of of Tales from the Acoustic Planet. He says like, if you enjoyed this, you should also check out you know this Flatten Scruggs album, Aeroplane Drive. <laughs> you know, and and I checked out and I checked out Aeroplane, and I was like, I I just loved that too. So John Harford's always been you know one of my like just favorite favorites for sure. Do you, do you listen to anything like outside of uh, real like into any like some outside sort of stuff too? As far as like curious, what other type of influences might have been in there music wise that might not have been mandolin centric? Oh, totally, absolutely, yeah, yeah, lots of stuff. Um, so at the time, like in in my high school, kind of uh, the there was like the whole jam band thing was like pretty popular, mm-hmm. like amongst people in, in the high school where I went to school. And so like, and, and bands would come to Houston and like a lot, like we would go and see these like kind of jam shows. There was this um, all ages club called Fitzgerald's. 
um, that just had lots of like touring acts and we would go there a lot. Um, and that's kind of how I just really fell in love with like live music in general. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, so like bands like Bela Fleck and the Flecktones, I saw them a bunch of times. I probably saw them like four or five times when I was in high school. Oh, wow. Loved Loved them. Yeah, they came to Houston a lot. <laughs> they, oh, they would cool. come like a couple, like twice a year or something. Wow. And I would see them every time, every time they came. Um, and, uh, you know, bands like Leftover Salmon, that was like an early show for me, seeing Leftover Salmon, which was like a super, super fun show. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yonder Mountain came. Um, and then like kind of other bands too, like in that style, like, you know, bands like Medeski, Martin and Wood mm-hmm. um, was a really cool band. Um, and like at the same time, I was also like getting into a lot of like uh, jazz and stuff like, you know, my my friends and I who were like really into music, we were like checking out Miles Davis and, you know, John Coltrane and like kind of all of the, you know, the the top, you know, like kind of the the main jazz artists that sure. like, you, you check out. You Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> And we thought that was super cool. Uh, I was really into, we were really into funk music um, in general. That was kind of like that that whole jam thing. You know, we were really into kind of instrumental funk music. So um, I love that yeah, stuff, man. Yeah, definitely, definitely saw a lot of funk shows <laughs> back then. Um, like Carl Denson. Oh, yeah. Uh, we, we, you know, I remember seeing him a couple times and just being in like buying his album and being really into it. Um, I I got this James Brown box set when I was in high school. It was like around the same time that I got Aeroplane. I was like, <laughs> I was really into James Brown and Aeroplane, you know? Yeah, and, that's uh, great. That, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So were you self-taught then all this time or did you end up finding somebody to give you lessons? Um... I was mostly self-taught. I had, um, so like I played the violin. So like I knew all of the notes and I could read music and like, you know, just kind of when I first picked up the mandolin, I knew I could, you know, name, you know, all of the notes in, you know, first position. I, and I could like play, um, you know, violin tunes, you know. And, uh, and I remember just like going on the internet and like kind of like looking up tabs um, and that kind of thing. I did have a mandolin lesson when I first got it. Um, when I first got my mandolin with this guy named Kelly Lancaster, um, who's a, yeah, just like a really cool, he, I, I didn't really know about it at the time, but there, he was like, you know, in whatever the bluegrass scene was in Houston at the time, he was definitely, um, a big part of it. Um, and I didn't know much about it until later, but, uh, I took a mandolin lesson with him where he taught me, old Joe Clark. <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> and, uh, and, <laughs> and, uh, and he taught me like, he taught me how to read tab. Um, and that was like, and that was the only lesson I had really. But, um, you know, I could, I could, I was kind of pretty well equipped to teach myself at that point. Um, just cause like, um, the hardest part was like learning the pick. Um, and, uh, and that definitely took a, took a while for me to, to, to work on, you know, what kind of things did you work on when you were like trying to 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 focus on that? Uh, on picking specifically, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Picking always seems to be the big thing. I think for people who uh, who are especially uh, beginners who listen to this, like that's the thing that seems to throw everybody more than like the, once you get over the painful fingers of the left hand after you play for a couple of weeks, you're like, oh, okay, I could do I could deal with that, and then you're like, oh, this picking thing, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, 
like back then, you know, when I first started, like I didn't know anything about picking <laughs> and and I was just I was just making it up. And, and I actually I didn't get serious about my right hand until until later, until I moved to Boston. Um, and, and that's when I was like I was around all of these other players that were just like, you know, just so much more into working on technique. And I had never really thought that much about it before. And I was like, wow, this is like I got to. I got to figure this stuff out, you know, and I was, I was holding the pick in this like weird way. Um, and, uh, and actually in one of my first mandolin lessons at Berkeley, uh, with, uh, with John McGann, he, he was just like, he was like, okay, let's, let's talk about the way you're holding your pick because, uh, <laughs> you know, and so like the very first thing I did when I came, when I came to Berkeley was I kind of had to relearn um, the way that I held my right, held, held the pick with my right hand and, and, and kind of like really, that was when I really dived into the whole technique thing. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, and, and what did I do? You know, I mean, it was, it was just trying to just focus on tone and pay really pay a lot of attention to, um, you know, the pick direction and, um, you know, kind of the evenness, like that's when I started doing all of the, kind of string exercises like the right hand string exercises where you're like kind of playing combinations of strings with your right hand um yeah like all all of that kind of stuff yeah so did you know that you wanted like berkeley for a guy who just picked it up in high school <laughs> you know what i mean like and then to go to uh, berkeley what what was the decision like did you always know you wanted to go to school for music how did you make that decision to uh to go to berkeley for for was it for mandolin that you decided to go for Yes. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, actually, so I didn't, I, I actually, before I went to Berkeley, I was actually going to architecture school at oh, the wow. university of Texas. Yeah. Um, so I, I was in high school. I was playing, I kind of like started playing the mandolin. I started playing, you know, in, with, with, you know, kind of bands kind of, you know, not that great of bands. <laughs> I don't think the level of uh, musicianship was like super high. We were just jamming, you know, and having fun. Um, and then I moved to Austin and um, uh, started going to school for architecture. Uh, and when I, when I was there, I met a bunch of musicians and started playing in bands there too. And that was when I also like kind of started to, I, I, I took a few jazz like classes in the music department at the University of Texas, like kind of jazz theory classes and like jazz improvisation classes and and like that kind of thing and started to like really get into that and was playing with, with this, with a couple bands and like kind of gigging and like we recorded a few, um, recorded some stuff and, you know, I just got, that's when I really got into, into music and, and so then I was there for a few years and then from there I, I found out that Berkeley was offering the mandolin as a as an instrument and that's what kind of introduced me or just kind of introduced the idea of going to berkeley to me i was like oh wow you can you can go there and actually you know really focus on on the mandolin you know and and i remember there was like berkeley had a few like promo videos out at the time um that was kind of like really making a big deal about that they had mandolin and like they were like you know at the time like i think like some of the first official students were were Jake Jolliffe and uh and Eric Robertson there may have been other people before them but they were the first ones that 
Berkeley was like really putting out there. It was like, yeah, we're offering mandolin, you know. So um, there were some videos of Jake Jolliffe, like super young Jake Jolliffe playing on stage with John McGann and and Eric Robertson playing mandolin. Um, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. Um, yeah, so that's amazing. Is there like an audition process to go to? I've never asked anybody that. I've talked to a few Berkeley Berkeley students, and I've never. I guess is there like any? Is there like an audition thing you have to do or application you have to fill out? Yeah, it's it's you know you 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 apply and then they schedule an audition for you. Wow. Um, and they they go all over the world um, to do these auditions. Like they came to Houston and they were holding like two days of auditions in Houston, and they go, you know, all over the country. They go to like you know africa and like they go to japan they go to europe they go everywhere because like berkeley's all about trying to get musicians from all over the world um so they have auditions all over and i just went to the audition in it was in houston and yeah yeah and it was uh it was really quick i think it's only was it 15 minutes a really short short thing you just you go in you play you play a piece like anything that you want to play oh cool and then there's like and then um they then you kind of like play with one of the auditioners so like one of the auditioners will there was a guitar player uh-huh there and he was like okay cool and, and like they kind of hear what you do and they're like okay well let's let's try doing something like this let's like jam on something you know and so like i played with them and then they do some like sight reading and then they do some like kind of ear training type oh, stuff wow. where they'll play they'll play like a little four notes and then you try to figure those notes out um and like rhythms and stuff like that so Cool. Yeah, and it, and it was over really super quick. <laughs> you know? Yeah, what was the uh, what was the tune you played? Uh, I think it was. So I was really, <laughs> I was like, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go to Berkeley, and I'm gonna just, gonna, I'm gonna, you know, Berkeley's all about jazz, so I'm gonna like play a jazz tune, and I and I played the tune Cherokee. Oh yeah, uh, it's like a jazz standard. Yeah. Yeah, I had like a little chord, uh, kind of chord melody arrangement type thing. I played it through and then I like, you know, soloed over the chorus maybe one time or two times or something. Yeah. What's it like then to go from like architecture school where I'm imagining the studying is pretty intense to where now the intense studying is on this instrument you love? <laughs> you know, like it's like, oh, my God, I get to focus all this time on mandolin. Yeah. It was um it was great. I mean, uh when I first got to Berkeley, it was you know, I was it was super 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 exciting. I was just like kind of meeting all of these people who were great players and still are amazing players and like a lot of people who are out there just crushing it um on the mandolin and and on other instruments. Um, you know, like when I when I got there, um Maddie Whitler started the same year as I did. We we were both mandolin um incoming mandolin students at the time. Um Dominic Leslie and Jake Jolliffe were were there at the time. Uh Sierra Hull <laughs> was there. Um you know, just all of these, you know, all of these just players I was like, "Wow." these people are so good. <laughs> so it was very inspiring yeah. to, 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 to kind of come into that thing. And, and, um, and uh, yeah. And, and I just, I, I was like, I have a, I have a lot to learn. So that's kind of what, 
what I what I focused on. But I, I should also mention that when I was at Berkeley, I I actually majored. I was I was a mandolin uh, player, like that was like my instrument. Uh-huh. But my major, my um, focus of study was actually uh, audio or music production and engineering. Is oh the name no of the kidding! Major. So. Yeah, so I, I studied like kind of audio engineering and stuff. Oh, like that's that. cool, man. Yeah. Now was that something that you had like um some experience with ahead of time as well? Um a little bit. Like I mean I had done some recording in studios and I I always loved the process and I was always you know, and like I'd done some just kind of, you know, makeshift recording and type type of stuff. Like, you know, I'd I'd always been into that. Um, but it was more of just when I got here, I was like, wow, here's an opportunity to really, you know, dive in, in this world in like a really, uh, serious way. Like the, the kind of the MP&E program at Berkeley is, is pretty, is pretty like hardcore, like cool program. They have like these amazing studios that you have access to and like, um, you know, just like all kinds of crazy gear and like, you know, just, just the facilities are, are, are incredible. And like, if you are in that major, you have access to them and you can like, you can sign up for studio time. Like, you know, like anytime, whenever you want, like at night, like the studios are open from like, I think like 6 PM to 6 AM. Oh, wow. So like they're open all night for like people to like, kind of check out the studios and like do sessions and like that kind of stuff. It was just like super exciting to me. So like, while I was like, really into playing and uh you know like learning the mandolin and was like kind of like really in like kind of that that like community of berkeley people that were like really into like kind of uh that that kind of music um i was also you know just like ooh, this this whole recording thing is like super cool and i was like kind of like you know spending a lot of time studying that and like working on projects like in that way that's great and while you were there, you 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 worked with some pretty great instructors. Obviously, the uh, the late great John McCann, um, um, just a huge footprint on on the mandolin. You know, he left behind a an amazing legacy of stuff back there. Thank goodness for the internet. You know what I mean to to be able to see yeah. his name come up when you're looking things up, and you're like, oh, it's going to be good. <laughs> so you got yeah. to work with yeah, him, definitely. and then and Joe Walsh. You got you yep. worked with some great instructors. Yeah, yeah, Joe Walsh, uh, Daryl Anger was yeah, was was teaching at Berkeley, and and I got to do lessons with him for for a semester, which was so fun. Um, and uh, I I also took lessons with the uh, uh, Jason Anik, who um, oh yeah, if you don't know who he is, yeah, is a fiddle or a violin player, but he also does like um, he does like electric mandolin stuff, doesn't he too? Yeah, 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 he does. He yeah, he's he's just just really 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 versed in kind of all these different jazz styles um and just like you know has really can really improvise kind of super fluently in like a lot of like swing and like modern jazz styles so he was he was really cool person to to take lessons from too yeah that's so neat that's amazing just thinking of like all these names you know like and, and to spend time with them and sit down for like just like a one hour lesson per se, but like a semester <laughs> of picking yeah, these people's yeah. brains, man. That's so cool. Totally, totally, totally. And, and I mean, and I should say too, like just as much as the, the instructors, I mean, it was like the other students, the other people who were there, like you learned so much from hanging out with, with other 
musicians who are like trying to learn like everybody's trying to like learn and everybody's trying to get better and there's a lot of jamming going on and um you know like man i i, I learned so much just from kind of being around um all of these all of these people did you do a lot of live gigging while you were a, a student yeah yeah kind of so you know kind of right away once you get there you kind of start playing and jamming with people and then like bands start to form you know mm -hmm. casual bands and and there's different um there's different kind of venues to to kind of play one of the places that that you know i think maybe like once i was there for like a year i started going here pretty regularly was was the cantab lounge in in cambridge massachusetts um it's just this kind of divey bar that's been there forever and uh and they they've been doing bluegrass bluegrass tuesdays there for oh, like 20 cool. something years oh wow. yeah 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 um this guy jeff bartley who uh he's just been running this this bluegrass night for for over 20 years that's incredible and and it's it's really like the kind of the nexus of like anything like of like bluegrass in like kind of the boston area like people come from all over and like that was where like you know Della may was just playing there all the time and like i remember i remember just like going there and you know like obviously all of the boston people are there all of like the berkeley students go and they hang out like um you know the, the underage people sneaking through the back door <laughs> or whatever <laughs> but but it's also like a place where you know a lot of the kind of older people who've been playing bluegrass for a long time like since like the you know 60s or 70s or whatever all these kind of older bluegrass heads hang out there too and this is a really cool mix of people happening there and then when people go kind of when bands or, or musicians come passing through a lot of them come to the cantab to like check it out because they hear that it's like a place where you know there's jamming and it's like kind of got this little scene around it you know like uh, i remember one time like, you know, Casey Dreesen came to the Cantab and was, like, jamming with people, like, Brittany Haas, you know, like, all of these, you know. It was just it was just a really cool place to, to hang out. And, and, and eventually I started playing there. Like, we, we started doing um, gigs there. And, um, yeah, and it just kind of grows from that. Did you start digging a little bit more into some of the bluegrass stuff, too, then, as you got to Berkeley? Or did you start focusing more on jazz? How did that, did your listening habits change or anything like that? Um, I think I was like, I was always interested in like learning jazz, but I think as, as far as most of the gigging goes, uh, you know, m more often, like as a mandolin player, there's like, Hey, there's a bluegrass gig. Do you want to come play, play with us? You know? And like, and like, I was, I was kind of like joining bluegrass bands, you know, like bands that, that played bluegrass and bands that, you know, if they were doing like original music, it was definitely original music, like kind of in that bluegrass style. Um, so yeah, so it was, it, as far as the gigs, it was like a lot of like bluegrass stuff. And like, we started playing, you know, at the Cantab lounge and, you know, around Boston. Um, you know, I mean like a lot of like farmer's markets, a lot of weddings, a lot of like parties. Um, Berkeley would like oftentimes, you know, cause like a lot of like Berkeley events, you know, they would have music and it was really easy for them to hire bluegrass bands because we just, <laughs> you know, bluegrass bands don't need a sound system. They just kind of just, you can just stick them in the corner of some, you know, black tie gala thing and there'll just be a bluegrass band playing in the corner <laughs> of some oh, Berkeley event. So, like, <laughs> you know, 
just stuff like that. And, right. And, and it just kind of grew from there. And, and then, like, also, like, Berkeley, it was cool because they would send student groups to, like, different festivals. So Berkeley had connections with, like, Gray Fox, the Gray Fox Festival, and uh, Freshgrass. And so, like, every year, Berkeley would just kind of send a bunch of student bands to these to these festivals to like, you know, play. Yeah. So like that was, that was kind of really sweet thing. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. So how did you uh, get the twisted pine thing going? Because that's a real unique, unique sound, re- unique, obviously instrumentation. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how did that start about come about? Well, it just, it just kind of grew organically out of like what, what we were just talking about, you know, like kind of, you know, students just kind of getting together, jamming, started playing gigs and and kind of starting to play bigger gigs and bigger gigs, you know. And like when we started, we were just, you know, we were playing straight up bluegrass. Um, Twisted Pine was we were like a five piece. It was a different instrumentation. It was just like the classic five piece bluegrass band. And we just played, you know, all of the super standard <laughs> bluegrass <laughs> songs. You know, we played, you know rolling my baby's arms and uh you know kentucky waltz and you know like all, all of the all of that stuff and uh, and we did that for like a you know kind of like I, I remember there was like a summer where we like were playing a lot of like you know parties and all that kind of stuff and then and then we started just like we're like hey let's let's enter into some band competitions and so we entered some band competitions and then there was one summer where we won two band competitions which was like kind of like a okay wow this is pretty cool we won um the fresh grass band competition oh nice um, which was like a yeah which is pretty big deal for us yeah and then there was another one at at the thomas point bluegrass festival that was like the same summer oh wow and so like because of that we kind of started to like you know i guess we were like kind of taking it a little bit more seriously and starting to try to we're like well maybe we could like do some stuff and maybe we can um we wanted to like write some more original music. And so um, that started to happen. So then we're like, okay, let's, let's, let's try to like take this band a little bit more seriously. Um, Like treat it less of like a bluegrass, just kind of pickup gig, but like more of like a a thing, you know, like, like invest ourselves artistically into it. And so um, once the songwriting started, that was when the sound just started to morph and evolve because um, you know, we loved playing bluegrass. We had super, we had so much fun playing bluegrass, but like when we were like writing original music, it was hard. It's, it's hard for, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of write authentically in that bluegrass style when you have all of these other, you know, when you're listening to all of these other kinds of music and you, and you have like an eclectic kind of thing. And so, so that was when the sound of the band started to, you know, just, just evolve. Um, and uh, and that's what we started to do. We kind of threw ourselves into songwriting, and like I think like we always we've always kind of treated or we we've tried to always treat every song as like okay, so what is going on with this song? Like what's the you know trying to come to each new song as like a fresh template as like as terms of like what are we gonna do with this? You know, try try not to fall back on like okay, well we're just gonna this is this is what we're going to do we're going to play this way because this is what you know this is the formula for how you play you know how a band plays together you know <laughs> right right yeah trying to be creative with it and um and you know the thing about twisted pine is that like all of us we all you know 
we all love bluegrass and, and really enjoy playing it, but it was, you know, bluegrass is one of many styles of music that like we, you know, are really into and enjoy playing. And so kind of just the, the evolution of the band was just us getting more comfortable with, with being, with doing different things with like injecting other, other ideas into the format, you know? Um, yeah. And so that's, that's kind of how it, how it evolved, you know, it was just, it was just really organic and, and it took us a while to, you know, to, from then to like, you know, the new album right now, you know, it, it was definitely, uh, you know, many years of like kind of, you know, and playing live and kind of like we, we've put out two other albums and, you know, it's, it's definitely just kind of an ongoing process. Yeah. Like an evolution. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. You guys are great with uh, like playing the single game as well, too. You you guys, that's uh, the great thing about seeing a band like you, um, a the the evolution portion, and then just like the adapting to the to the the new model. I think you guys are one of the bands that are um, embracing the technology portion of it as far as like okay, you put some singles out, and then you put the album out, and get it where it's it, it, it really well done. And the reviews you guys are getting are just stellar, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been super exciting, for sure. So um, how long ago did you start the process of recording right now? Um, so we I th- we first went into the studio. It was back in October mm-hmm. of 2019. October, November, I think. Yeah, and uh, we originally... So we, we had a lineup change kind of last... Uh, I guess it was kind of winter and into the spring. We were like in the last spring, we were like playing with some different people, but we always knew that we wanted to land on playing with Anne on the flute. She's, you know, we, we played with her uh, in, in February of, of, I guess it was 2019 at the folk Alliance um, conference in Montreal. So she's Canadian. She's a Canadian musician and we've known her for a bunch of years. She, she was in a band that, used to play in Boston a lot, um, come through Boston. And so we kind of knew her as a musician and we'd hung out with her a lot and like kind of jammed with her and, and just, you know, just, she was just one of those friends that you, that you make through the scene. And then when we were at Folk Alliance, we had her sit in with us at, um, some of our showcases and it was just, it was awesome. Just like the vibe (laughs) was, was, was amazing. And like, she was just fit right into what we were doing. She like, vibed with Kathleen really, really well. And, and, you know, and vibe with all of us, you know, it was just like the, the chemistry was really good. So we knew that we wanted to kind of get her kind of to, to play with her more and kind of try to bring her into, to the live, into what we were doing live. Mm -hmm. And uh, it took us a while to do that because, you know, she's Canadian and we had to like apply for a visa and and she, and she was booked for a lot of things too. So it, it, it took some time to kind of, really bring her on um but but when we did we were like this is awesome you know this is this is amazing and uh and so then we wanted what we wanted to do is we wanted to record something that um that just captured the new band Mm -hmm. um and we were and we didn't we weren't planning to make a full album we were like at the time we were like let's make some videos we you know video content's the most important thing that people can see us see the new look of the band and like let's just do that so we were gonna go into the studio and make a six song video EP was kind of the concept, you know, so we were going to record, record in the studio, but have, um, 
a guy come in to film us and just release music videos, um, but also have a recording. Um, and and that was when we recorded uh, the first six songs that ended up going on to Right Now. And once that was done, um, our so we we're, we were going to put it out on Signature Sounds Recordings, which mm-hmm. is our our wonderful record label. They've put out the last, you know, they put out all of the Twisted Pine stuff and they're, they're amazing. So, so supportive and just a really great, really great for us. And, uh, and so we, we were like, okay, so here's, here's, here's the six songs we recorded. And, uh, the president of signature, Jim Olson was like, this is really good. Like, we're really, really into it. How would you feel about expanding this into a full length album? And we were like, oh, uh, yeah, I think we can do that. <laughs> we didn't have any more songs to record. Oh, man. <laughs> but, but we're like, yeah, I think we can do that. Yeah. And, uh, and, and we were like, we, we talked about it. We're like, do we really want to do this? Like, like, we could just put this out as is, you know. But then we're like, well, let's just, let's just, let's just go for it. Let's just try to do it. And so, and so then we added four songs, like two, two like fully like, fleshed out songs and actually the two new songs that we wrote were 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 right now and tomorrow the sun will rise the oh, first wow. track and the last track oh yeah, no those kidding were, those were added yeah yeah we added those right now um but we had never played it as a band and and then like tomorrow the sun i think like at that point that that was something that i would play on the piano like it was still at that stage of just like oh it's just, this is a nice little thing that i like to play on the piano but it wasn't a twisted pine song at all you know so we're like okay let's let's try to add these songs to it so we you know and it was you know we were like touring a bunch at the time so like we would be you know, we didn't have a lot of time. It, it it kind of came together at the last moment. And so then we went back into the studio on March, in March, and uh, recorded those songs. And then we also added two other kind of shorter instrumental tracks to kind of flesh out, fill out the album. Um, and uh, yeah, and and we were, we were in the studio and we were still like rewriting the lyrics to tomorrow the sun will rise like in the studio <laughs> you know just be, you know like 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 somebody would be re- recording one part and then like Kathleen and I would be just like in another room just like brainstorming lyric ideas um but but man the, you know those songs came out just great like we're really really happy with how they came out and and we'd never done that before um kind of like going into the studio and like really letting things happen organically in the studio. That was definitely the first time where where we really uh kind of just let ourselves just go in there and like not know exactly what was going to happen. That um, was that's actually my on my notes right here to ask about if like how for, how fully formed it was cuz like a tune like Dream Away is just beautiful yes. sounding and I'm like, wow, did they did they write it like that or was it one of those things you got in the studio you're like, okay, let's try this. 
The, t- the title's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. That was, I mean, that song we had. So Kathleen wrote that song and, uh, and she, when she wrote it, she was just like, she kind of wrote it as almost like a lullaby, you know, like she, she was plucking the, I, I remember, I remember when she wrote it, we were, it was like after a show at this place called the dream away lodge, which is a, yeah, a little venue out in Western mass and we had just played, like, we had just done um, a festival. I think it was the Green River Festival. We had just played the Green River Festival. And then we, like, had, so it was, like, a weekend-long festival of just, like, kind of staying up all night and just, you know, crazy festival vibes. And then we, from there, it was Sunday, we drove and we played this little set at the Dreamaway Lodge. And um, and then we stayed at the Dreamaway Lodge that night. So it was, like, after... After we had played, after a weekend full of music and we were exhausted and we were just hanging out and Kathleen was just kind of in this, you know, just in the living room of this place we were staying and just started playing, plucking that on, on the on the violin. And, uh, and, and that's how she wrote it. And then the process of arranging, taking what she did and like expanding it and arranging it into the, to the full band thing was kind of a long process long ongoing process of like you know we just all sit in a room and oh what if we tried this oh this is cool what if we tried this you know (laughs) yeah 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 like it's it's sometimes it's like i think that like it takes us a long time to to write songs or like to write and arrange songs as a band it takes us a long time to arrive at like the final formation of the song because because we do try to approach it very very fresh you know like we try to we try to approach each song as like okay what are we going to do for this one like how are we going to play you know like like i'm not just gonna play mandolin chop <laughs> you know what i mean like yeah yeah like we we, we 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 try to think of like okay how are we going to do this you know um and so that was definitely one of the ones that evolved a lot and then when we got into the studio um you know kind of that one was it was mostly fully formed but being in the studio, you know, kind of the sonic world of it kind of comes together, you know, it's so like that song, it kind of, you know, we incorporate some effects and like kind of really try to create that like dreamy soundscape kind of thing. Um, and, 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 and that, that's where being in, the, yeah, that's where being in the studio and experimenting and like trying different things. And, and I should, I should give a big shout out to, um, we recorded the album at uh, Dimension Sound in, in Jamaica Plain, Massachusetts with Dan Cardinal. He's the owner of that place. And he's, we've worked with him a bunch before. He's just a great, great, great engineer. He co-produced the album with us. And um, he's just, he's just awesome. And a lot of people, a lot of people kind of of coming out of the Boston um, kind of, you know, roots or acoustic bluegrass scene have, have a lot of albums have, have been recorded at, at that studio, you know, like the, um, like Lula Wiles, I've recorded there. The Stash Band's recorded there. Joe K. Walsh, it's recorded there. You know, so it's like it's it's definitely a a, a place that that like we're 
you know, should definitely shout that place out because it recording there had a huge effect on the way that um, the album turned out. That's great. Yeah, he's yeah. I didn't realize it was the same place. Like uh, Joe's Joe's stuff is always sounds killer. The Stash Band stuff is great. Just so out yeah. there and cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, definitely. I, I have to, as a mandolin nerd, I have to tell you too. Um, I started listening to it in the, the first song right now. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm really liking this. But I'll tell you what, man. When Amadeus Party kicked in, literally, I'm like, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna love this album. like the album the first song right now is great but when then i but then i'm like oh i think i know what to expect nope i didn't know what to expect at all because <laughs> amadeus party kicks <laughs> in i'm like oh man this is gonna be great so uh <laughs> and that's a very you mentioned the james brown box set this is a real james brown it's a funky tune man oh yeah definitely i mean i i'm not gonna lie i was specifically like that that riff i was specifically thinking of james brown when i kind of wrote that um that song um and and that, that that's one that's another one that just kind of came together um you know like i i kind of came, wrote a mandolin riff and and i sent a recording of it to chris and and chris is like you know he's he's like my my like soul brother in terms of just loving funk anything funk chris is like <laughs> all all in he's he's super super funky guy uh, and, and we have that in common. And so I sent it to him and we were like, yeah, this is, this, this could be cool. And I started working on it and it, it, you know, the song expanded a little bit and then contracted and expanded, you know, it was like that thing where, you know, it, it took a while to arrive at what it was, the final product was going to be. But, um, you know, once, once, once we did, we were, we were pretty stoked about it and, and it was really <laughs> fun, fun to make it fun to make the, you know, that's one of the ones we, we recorded that live. So, Oh, did you really? How yeah, yeah. How many, how many of the tracks? So, um, I think three or four of the tracks we recorded live in the studio because we had a camera. You know, they, they were filming. Oh, okay, it. sure, yeah. So, so it was Amadeus party. Um, Don't come over tonight. Papaya, and um, maybe it was just those three. I, I, that, I'll tell you what, dude. That papaya. I, I can't tell you how many times that that song has wound up in my head. I mean, it is the it is the catchiest thing I've heard this year, hands down, hands down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're that one. We love that one. We love playing that song, and it turned out so awesome. It's a great tune. I'm not joking. You could you could blindly call my wife and be like, "What song is Dan singing right now?" And she'd be like, "It's the papaya song." <laughs> <laughs> and um, 
I also love uh, "Come Along, Jody." Man, the way the flute and the mandolin interplay are great together. Yeah, totally. So, you know, that one, Come Along Jody was all about... So Anne is just the most savage flute player I've ever heard. Ever. Like, like of anyone. She's, she's amazing. She's just... She's so fun to play with. And she just brings it every time. And, and she's... So she's been really kind of into learning bluegrass tunes on the flute for, for years. I mean, when I first met her... Um, that's kind of what she was all about. You know, we would just we would just jam, you know, old Dangerfield mandolin and flute, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, or like like whatever. You know, she just she loved bluegrass um, and playing bluegrass on the flute. And and so when she when she started playing shows with us, we were like, let's man, let's let's get like a ripping fiddle tune and and have Ann just like shred it, you know? Yeah. And uh, come come along, Jody was like, you know, that's like a song that like. You know, it's it's not like the most common tune, but it's definitely one that gets jammed a lot, like, you know, in you know, around Boston for sure. Like a lot of people play that tune and and uh and we had all played it, you know, kind of just with other people and stuff, like kind of in other situations. But we we're like, Yeah, let's 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 just let's just have Anne and do it. And so we kind of started incorporating it and and it's just, it's just, it, it kills live every time. And yeah, I bet. Like, yeah, we gotta, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta record this, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm so bummed about all that. I would, uh, I would love to see you guys live, uh, uh, like as soon as possible. Um, you know, with all this Corona <laughs> stuff, like this is an album where you're just like, oh my God, this, this would be a great show to see. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, like it, it, it is, it is a bit of a bummer that we're not on the road right now. Like we, we definitely were kind of you know, coming out of the, like, uh, the winter and the, and the, and the spring, like we, we were, you know, like last, last summer, fall and, and, and the winter, we, we, you know, we, we were playing a lot with, with Anne and kind of like really kind of coming into our own, um, like at, we, we were at IBMA, um, this, the last IBMA and like, you know, and we, I just remember just like, just everything just really clicking and like all of our, all of our showcases were just like just so fun and like the, you know like everyone's kind of like taking risks and and like just kind of going for it live and oh cool so like we 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 were we were feeling good about kind of where the band was going like as a live live unit and the way we were playing together um you know but uh you know we'll we'll, we'll get there we'll yeah get it'll there. come the around again out. man yeah yeah the the album's out and we're yeah <laughs> so many of the releases that um you know like i listen to being a mandolin player and mandolin fan you know and like um a lot of like newer band sort of stuff i should say like it's kind of like you have an idea of what it's going to be you know what i mean like it's uh and this one this one is uh filled with cool surprises but still um you know hits the mandolin hits the mandolin <laughs> sweet spot for me for sure 
Yeah, it's cool, awesome, man. and it goes by so quick. <laughs> it's 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 like forty two minutes or something, but it doesn't seem like it. I mean, I think I listened to it like four yeah. times in a row one day, and I'm like, gosh, <laughs> I can't believe, uh, <laughs> you know, like it's only whatever time it was, but it was like just just such an enjoyable listen, and like each time there's so much cool production stuff in there. It's like picking up, like, oh, I miss, I didn't catch that last time, so. Yeah, congratulations on a great release. Oh man, thanks, man. That's yeah, that's that's sure. so so nice to hear. Like so awesome to hear that that it's you know you're 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 digging it in that way for sure, dude. And it, I'm telling you, like this album just reminds me of like this is a band that in a few years you could be seeing. I wouldn't be surprised if like you're like, oh, we're playing Red Rocks this fall or something like that, you know. And and you know, I'd be like, of course, <laughs> it's they're oh, just man. there's great tunes, you know. Oh. That's the dream. <laughs> yeah, buddy, I hear you. I hear you. But for real, it just um it gives me that sort of vibe of like I'm like, wow, I'm glad I'm doing this interview now because, you know, if this band takes off, I'll never be able to get them again. <laughs> <It'd be> like, <laughs> Uh, dude, I'll do this anytime. Man. Oh, I mean, sweet I mean, man! You, you've got some, you've got some mandolin superstars on this on this podcast. Yeah, so it's been it's been I don't surreal, think there's dude. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> there's no way I'm gonna get too big for this. Awesome, <laughs> awesome. Know? I'm gonna hold you to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about gear, real quick. Um, I think I know what your main axe is, but for those out there, what's your uh, what's your main mandolin? Well, you know. It, it, I, I've been playing well I, I actually just got a new mandolin um, in uh, in like kind of like February so so I mean my main axe probably maybe the one that you're thinking of was uh, as an Ellis a5 yeah um, really great uh, it was from it's from 2010 uh, I got it um, it was it came to this like great store uh, called the music Emporium in Lexington Massachusetts. And um, yeah, it's really, really awesome store for anything mandolin or guitar related. They've got just amazing stuff. And uh, a guy, a bass player, bought it from that store, new, and then I bought it from him. So like I, I played that up until like up until February, you know. And that's that's the that's the uh, mandolin that's on most of the album. But then in February, I um, I just recently acquired a Brentrup F style mandolin oh, wow. from like. 2000 yeah i think it's like the uh it's like the italian spruce model oh, i think wow. um is, is is how he calls it um but uh really really killer mandolin the first f style mandolin i've ever had um and that's the that mandolin is is the mandolin on right now and tomorrow the sun will rise like like the, like that was i had that mandolin for the second round of sessions for for the album oh, so oh cool um yeah, so that's that's the new man. I'm really enjoying that mandolin a lot. I was just gonna say that's when you just put out that um, you just did a uh, solo mandolin version of a of a guitar tune uh, that you just posted on Facebook. I believe that sounds really really great, and that would be that new mandolin. Yes, yes, yeah, the the Brent trip. Yeah, so I, I you know I I have a lot of time to just kind of <laughs> play the mandolin by myself. <laughs> so so I've been trying to work on. Um, you know, solo, uh, arrangements of, of things. And, and, um, that, that tune is actually that, that's a tune that's written by Lyle Brewer. Who's the guy who guest stars on guitar on, oh, on our cool. album. Um, he's got, um, he, he's just a fabulous guitar player, but like some of my absolute favorite stuff that he does is he's got a couple of albums of just solo guitar songs that he does. Um, one of them has like a lot of like classical nylons 
string guitar and then like the more recent ones he just he's playing a solo electric guitar but it's just these pieces are just they're so beautiful they're so perfectly like kind of written and arranged and like played in this just in this just really beautiful way that's like it's not flashy at all it's just all about the song you know yeah um but they're like but they're instrumental songs you know and and i just i love what he does so much um and so like kind of trying to get a little bit of that vibe um in like you know solo playing on on mandolin you did that on the uh your mandolin monday was a uh um a guitar tune as well yes yeah mandolin monday that was a couple maybe a, over a year ago now but yeah i did i did um a mandolin monday with uh with david benedict um Great, great mandolin player and awesome channel that he's got going. Heck yeah, first guest um, ever on the podcast. Yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. I I, I listened to it the other day. Oh, you know, sweet, like sweet. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was a uh, that was a, a, a song called Ryland yeah. um, by Julian Lodge, which is, like, yeah, kind of the same thing. It was like just a solo guitar piece that he, that he wrote, but then he re- recorded it as a, tr- you know, like, uh, with the trio, there's a couple of recordings of that, and then uh, I'm with her did a cover of that song too, where where Aoife wrote lyrics to it. Oh, geez, wow! You were saying we were uh, sorry there, we we got off track a little bit, but you were still you were going to say another piece of gear. Oh yeah, so we were talking about mandolin. So the Ellis, the Brentrup. I I also um kind of recently got uh a uh, it's a 1927 Gibson A1. Oh, Overhaul cool. mandolin. Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. I've um, really been enjoying that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um I need to I need to put up a video of it because I haven't done that yet. But oh yeah, just man. For sure. Loving loving that thing. Um play that play that a lot at home. It's you know, it's got this really kind of uh kind of intimate sound, uh, which is really nice for playing like when you're by yourself or with, you know, like in a small group. Um enjoy that thing. I love those old Gibsons. They're so fun to play, man. Yeah, they just have like, such vibe. You know what I mean? Too is like, there's like, I know totally. there's a story in this mandolin somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. What about strings and picks? Uh, yeah. So for strings, um, I kind of, you know, go with whatever I happen to grab. I I have a bad habit of running out of guitar string i mean mandolin <laughs> strings run, running out of strings and then having to just buy get get something like whatever is available like as soon as i can but for the most part it's like diadario um either the coded ones or the non-coded ones um i do i think i probably do if i can get the exps then i then i do but um i'm not super picky about it i'll, I'll just kind of um i just i just like them because they last longer yeah and, yeah i hear you <laughs> um and for picks, I I have a blue chip pick. It's um, it's not a TAD. I forget what. Oh, it's the TP, the TP sixty. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so kind of a just a little bit smaller of a triangle than the than the TAD. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Cool, man. And then two more questions for you here. And the uh, the first one is the ten minute a day question, where if you had ten minutes a day to recommend somebody to work on something to help them improve as a player. What would you recommend? 
Yeah, that is such a good question. That's like my oh, favorite part thanks, of every. Dude. This it's, is my favorite part of every episode. It's yeah. my favorite part too. It's kind of like the uh, <laughs> when I first started doing my like, oh, I'm, I'm gonna really pick their brains, man. And then it's, it's kind of selfish for me because then I work on that stuff. <laughs> you know, like I want to get better too. <laughs> well, hey, you 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 put it out there for everybody else too. So I I, I enjoy listening to what everybody has to say. Um, yeah, I've thought about this a bit because I knew this question was coming. Awesome, and um, you know. For me, uh, I think that, like, if you only have 10 minutes a day or if it's just, you know, whatever you have available to practice, I think, like, the most important thing um, isn't so much, like, what you're practicing, but, like, kind of how you're practicing and, like, kind of getting into um, this zone of where you're just really focused and paying attention to what you're doing. So if you're playing scales or you're playing a tune or whatever, um, I think that, like, to get the most out of your 10 minutes, just really, really pay attention. Like, like listen to what, listen really hard to, like, what the actual sounds are that are coming out of your mandolin. Like, really pay attention to what your right hand is doing. Pay attention to what your left hand is doing and how that affects the sound. Pay attention. I, I'm, like, a really, been really trying to pay attention a lot to, like, like feeling my whole body and being aware of tension in my arm or my back or my neck and just like letting that tension go, um, being conscious of your like breathing while you play stuff. And like all of that kind of stuff just gets you into this like zone, you know, like, I mean, I think everybody here, you know, has probably had that experience of like where you're just really in the zone, just like really pl- everything you're playing, you're just, you know, it just sounds really good to you and like you're just really connected to the instrument and and you're just like kind of like almost like kind of forget who you are. Like, you know, you're just you're just in the music, you know, it's the best and I think feeling that, like, ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's an incredible feeling. And I think that like trying to get there every time you practice is 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 a really important thing. And, and I think it's possible you know, to get there, you know, just like, even if you're just doing single notes, you know, continuous notes on, 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 on a single string, just practicing your up and down, your down, up, down, up, down, up, you know, like just really focusing it and like getting into that zone, you know, um, kind of like having that all the time, like, like when you're practicing, just like getting, getting into that space. And then when you're playing, like in a jam session or like live, you know, it's just, it's, it's a lot easier to fall into that space when you've been practicing that way, if that makes sense. Totally. Yeah. It's like, you you do all that rapid, repetitive stuff. So then that way uh, it just seeps into your playing. Eventually you don't have to think about it. It becomes like, Oh shoot. (laughs) There, there was. (laughs) Yeah. But like just, just as much as it is like kind of teaching your hands like what to do it's like kind of teaching your brain almost to like fall into that relaxed um really in tune with the music headspace you know um practicing that like trying to get that incorporate that into your practice and and, and you know just if that sounds a little esoteric there's like some practical things what practical ways that you can get there like i think playing with the metronome kind of helps me zone into that thing just putting a metronome on just letting it go just just don't turn it off just leave it on and just keep playing with it um just practice a bunch of different things just do single note ex- single string exercises like kind of string crossing exercises scales 
um, play tunes to it, just practice improvisation with it, and just really focus on your tone and in lining up with that metronome. That that really helps get me into that space of like, yeah, just like really feeling what I'm doing. Another thing is like practicing in front of a mirror is really, really, really good. I, I, I find that that like um, helps to like maybe get me out of my head a little bit. Um, if I'm like watching my hand, my, my right hand or my left hand or whatever in a mirror, it, it helps me just like, um, you know, it, it just gives me something to like look at, like to focus on. And it helps my mind maybe, you know, maybe it just gets me to not be thinking about like whatever, you know, bullshit I'm thinking about, you know, like sometimes, <laughs> absolutely. Like, sometimes, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes when you're practicing, you're like, I don't know, you're like nervous about an upcoming show or like you're, or like you're feeling down on yourself because you're like, Oh, I'm, I sound bad or like whatever, you know, um, just getting out, getting out of that, getting out of your head and just getting into the sound and like what you're doing. Um, I think is like the, the thing that, that I try to like, I try to go for that whenever I practice. Yeah, that's a great one, man. Yeah. Good one. I like the esoteric. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then it is mandolins and beer. So do you have a favorite beer? Has there been a particular beer during this uh, downtime you've been enjoying? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, you know, I... I knew this question was coming too, but I, I, you know, I didn't really think that much about it. I, I, you know, I've been drinking a lot of, uh, Jack's Abbey beers. Oh yeah. Um, that's, that's a, it's a brewery in like the Boston area. Um, they have a, they have a, a Pilsner that I really like. It's just, you know, kind of a, a, a light refreshing Pilsner. Um, I'm into that. Uh, you know, like when I, if I'm like at a, you know, if I'm at like some kind of pub situation, I one of my go-to's is always Guinness. I just I, I love drinking Guinness at at a you know at a pub at oh, a, at a sure. jam session or something. Oh yeah, man, <laughs> so good. <laughs> there's also a uh, there's a Twisted Pine Brewery too. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, totally. No, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I should I I don't know how I missed that. I should totally give them a shout out. Yeah, they're they're awesome. They're great. I've We've been we've played the Twisted Pine Brewery a number of times. Oh, just nice! Like when we've been out in Colorado, it's just it's just like an obvious thing. It's like oh, we got to swing by there, and they're super they're super cool people. I remember one time I was out there and they had a uh, what was it? it was like a ghost chili beer. Oh, really? It was just like super spicy, kind of crazy. I think it was called Ghost Face Killer. Oh, like, I could be wrong. <laughs> That's great, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, you know that that was one of the more extreme beer experiences I've ever had. Was drinking. So, yeah, that. that's uh, ghost peppers, <laughs> crazy. Yeah, that's so cool. Well, yeah. dude, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. Congratulations on a great album, and like a very unique sounding album. I know at the beginning I was like, it's got hints of this and hints of this and hints of this, but it doesn't sound it, it really like anyone. It just you know, there's like little glimpses of this and that, and that's what I love about it, man. It's a it's a really unique fun great listen and i think that's tough to do man uh especially with so much music out there so congratulations on nailing it thank you oh my god that's that's thank you so much and thanks for having me on this on on the podcast this is like this is seriously a uh, uh pretty pretty cool to be to be on this especially oh, thanks, like man looking at like the other people that you've had on here it's it's amazing so i'm really well, you're well-deserved to be on here, man. I'm, I'm <laughs> glad, we got, glad we linked up. 
What a great guy. Go out and get the brand new Twisted Pine album. Show them some love. They can't be out there on the road right now, so uh, pick up that CD. And, and again, if you have any uh, if you have any extra money, then you can put it towards the GoFundMe for Mike Barnett. The link will be at mandolinsandbeer.com. Cheers, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Um, there will be the Matt Flinner um, track-by-track episode up here uh, shortly. Cheers, everybody.